Hello, Hoopaholics, and welcome back to the Box and One podcast. I'm Coach Spins here, and, and really thrilled to be joined by a, a fellow New Englander, somebody who can handle the deep winters up there. Uh, Matt Penny, <laughs> famed with the Game Theory podcast, but he is Mr. Basketball known in so many different areas right now and, and one of the best scouting minds out there. So, Matt, thank you for joining us here. How are you? I'm great. I don't know the the best scouting mind, but at least the best nonsense of, of basketball minds. And I, uh, it, it's funny. I, I've said this to you via internet and via Twitter before too. But I saw Bryce McGowan's had a good game. I was watching it. It's like I got to beat you to clip it up because normally I wake up in the morning about six thirty and you already have three videos posted. I'm like, I, I, I don't know how I beat this guy. I, I can't do it. It's uh, it's a lot of 4 a.m. alarms going off to make sure. That <laughs> Good for you. That, that makes a lot more sense because <laughs> I wake up early and the box one already has something posted. I'm like, uh, I'm behind. No, we, we try. We try. But uh, no, it's been, I, I think, learning a lot from you and, and a lot of us putting some stuff out there on guys, I think, makes it easier for us to, to feed off of each other in those ways. But really thrilled to have you on here because just last weekend and, and I guess now four, five, six days ago from where we are recording, you made a, a great road trip down to Atlanta and were able to see a bunch of different levels of basketball. And for me, those are some of the most curious ones to get into in this draft class. So right. you are going to be the expert today. I'm going to oh, play game show host a little bit. But <laughs> Just hand me the ball. Well, I might throw it back to you. I might do a few, few like flea flickers or something back to you to, to throw it deep. But If we played in a two-on-two tournament and we scored 21 points, you would have 21. So I have <laughs> <laughs> I know, We're in a rough shape if it, it's the two of us. We need to put up 21 points. But we'll, we'll do our best. We'll try to guide you through this. Fair enough. But uh, we, we do have one question that we actually start our mm. podcast with for every single guest. And Matt, as great as you are, you are no exception to the rule. So <laughs> your team is up three with five seconds to go, and it's the other team's ball. Yeah. You instruct your team to foul. Where's the ball? We've been going off of college rules for a lot of this. So full court inbound, no automatic advance like the NBA. So I, I'm fouling, but I'm, I'm making sure I turn him a few times. We burn a couple seconds off, maybe before you cross half court. I don't want the quick foul because I, I want some time to run off the clock. But ultimately, yes, before you go, before they cross half court, I'd like to foul, put him on the line, play the odds, play the statistics. Uh, I don't like to live as dangerously as some people. And you live by that last shot in the air and just hold your breath. If they miss. I, I couldn't do that one. Yeah. Yeah. A little more. Uh, you want you want control in that situation. Uh, a little bit. And I'm a, I'm a control freak. So it's on brand for me. Yeah, do you foul is the question. You don't. You just let it fly. No, I foul. Oh, I really? Oh, wow. Because you sent me a little intro, and I was like, I, I think this guy's going to say, no, you got to live a little bit on the wild side and, and let him chuck it up there. Yeah, so the question was born out of a college coaches group chat that I've been a part of since I was coaching at that level. And there's one guy in there who's just a staunch, never foul, trust your defense. That's why, that's why you work on shell drill so much, like all of this stuff. And I am a big proponent of – Take the chances on that one and make some free throws. Like I I'd forget, have... I forget what the game was last week, and I talked to somebody who talked to the head coach, and they didn't foul. They missed, but I, I think the reasoning was they didn't want to foul because they didn't like their "quote unquote" special teams box out on free throws. Like the opposing team has, has better guys in the post. They said nightmare scenario: they hit the first, they tip it back out to three, you lose. It's just like, ah, what, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, which. Uh... I mean, hey, it happens. Know, it's not hundred percent. It happens. That's why we, yeah. we start the show with it. Right. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, as we're going into the weekend, would love to start with the G league ignite with you, because I think that that's where probably a few more prospects 
that are on 2022 draft radars are really placed right now. And this has been you know, year two of the Ignite project, but it's a little bit more difficult for me to really get a feel for a lot of these guys, because unlike last year's team, there aren't a ton of different positions out there on the floor. I think there's a lot of guys who have positional overlap sure. that causes more of a, my turn, your turn type of, type yeah, of dynamic. Yeah. Go with um, and I'm, I'm just not really sure how to trust each individual game as it's going on versus the, uh, the overall sample that will come due by the end of February and March. So, uh, you know, the one guy that stood out from the performance that you got to see down there was Jaden Hardy finished with 29 points was a fairly efficient 10 of 24 from the field. That's efficient for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It is. You know, it is. Six boards, three assists, but uh, four turnovers and a team low minus 23 in a 10 point loss. Oh, didn't, didn't, didn't see the plus minus. Yeah. And, and I'm not a huge individual game plus minus guy, but yeah, me neither. I, I think that it at least is a number that is such a, it's a large number, right? It stands out to the point where it's probably got to be addressed in, you know, he scored a lot, but he was a net negative when he was on the floor. Where are you at with Hardy? What did you see? What were the impressions that you took away from your trip down there to see him play? Uh, I'm glad I got eyeballs on, on him and on the team. I was a, a big fan and supporter of the system last year when they had Jalen Green, they had Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Isaiah Todd, and Deja Nix. Those were kind of like their their guys, so to say. And I, I, I thought it worked because my, my hangups with the guys the year before with Jalen Green was just a million miles per hour, didn't have pace, didn't have nuance out of ball screens, and it improved game after game. You saw the progression. There's a shorter season. It was 15 games. But that G League bubble they had, or what, however they, they termed it, was beneficial. And I think scouts got some stuff out of it. Totally agree with you about sort of the positional overlap. So it, it was a little bit, not difficult, but I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to like phrase this correctly. It, it didn't feel as much as like a, a team thing and as much like fluidity between what they were doing offensively. Whereas like I was able to scout them individually, but that was like my hang up with Jaden Hardy. I, I've been lower on him than most. I, I think most people sort of had him in that five to 10 range in the preseason and rightfully so coming out of Coronado high school, big time score, big time range. And you see him up close in this setting. I'd seen him before in high school. He definitely has this ability and shake with the ball to get rewards. He gets to his spots. He's able to create, if he's going to get a step back, he's able to do that initial jab, step back, keep his balance and pull up. I just have the, the hang up with how it works within a system. Like how does this work in, 15 to 20 minutes a night when you don't have the ball in your hands every possession like what's his value away from the ball because there's a lot of times where uh say it's at the top of the key and Dyson Daniels has it he might be camped out in the corner and he's not one of these other guards who's back cutting or or hitting and, and filling and replacing it, it's sort of like that when I get the ball I'm going to do my thing and he can but as an NBA team you're not going to have really that offensive freedom uh, the scoring you can't knock I, I didn't know he had 29 points until the end of the game uh, I didn't have a box score I didn't have the halftime thing I didn't know the minus 23 until now but uh, some of it was padding the stats at the end uh, I like his jumper I, I like it I don't love it just because he, he doesn't square himself all the way all the time uh, he can like kick his legs out a, a little bit he's a microwave type of guy it's just how is that going to work in, in reeling back the shots because he's always been a volume shooter he's always been a 16 18 22 shots a night 
as an NBA rookie, it's just, it's not happening. And I, I was just kind of looking at the numbers before earlier today on Cam Thomas with Brooklyn. And he's had some games where he's taken 18 shots. He had 25 points the other night, mainly due to injury. And, and Brooklyn kind of knows what it is right now. When Cam Thomas is a seven, eight shot per night guy shooting 28% and Jaden Hardy might be a little bit more inefficient than that. It's hard for me to sign off as that necessarily as a as a top 10 pick like right here right now yeah I think that's a that's a really good point um you know the Cam Thomas comparisons are fair in terms of play style I think Cam's probably a little bit more physical like I loved how he was able to get to the free throw line and Hardy doesn't have that he's more reliant on the jumper he's a little bit trying to avoid contact and I I think he's gotten better over the course of the last few games but early on in particular like he was a poor finisher the start of the season because everything he did he was trying to duck around or sweep you know his arm underneath contact and just fling it up towards the rim like not a lot of physical strength or confidence to be able to play through that uh, with hardy like i'm glad you brought up the jump shot and the mechanics there a lot of times you see somebody who's a great step back shooter or has mm-hmm. that deep range off the bounce and you assume that they're just going to always be really good in a catch and shoot standpoint and i don't know if i'm there on hardy you know, like you said, he has to be square. He's not a great movement threat right now, but it seems a little long to me. Like he, he really does dip the ball a little bit lower yeah, than I'd like. He's just, he's just really slower than, than he should be with that release. I, I thought at this point too, and, and how many games are in that the quality of shot would improve that it would be better by now. And I, it's not a to B, but with Jalen green, it took three or four games. He would still take some crazy ones. Not, not completely saying he was, he was perfect, but it was better. It was, Hey Jalen, you can just catch and shoot from three. You don't have to catch and immediately put on the ground, stutter step, go, just, just catch and shoot sometimes. Like there was a possession. Uh, they're down the far end. He's on like the, the left from like the high post extended or whatever. He catches wide open. And instead of just catching and shooting, he took a dribble and it was like shot over two guys and kicked his legs out even if he hits it, it's like make the game easier. And the point that has to be driven home too is he's got to be able to pass and make reads on the move. So even when he's going, it's like, just double team him. He, he's going to run you over. He's going to try to Euro step through. He's going to try to finish opposite. He doesn't have it yet in his bag, unless it's like a complete tidal wave collapse where he just like, I have to pass it now. He's not getting paint touches and, and spraying to the corner. Like he's going to have to do that at his size at, at probably a combo guard. I don't trust him as a point guard and as a shooting guard. You're going to need some size around him too. It, it's just not an efficient enough scoring a game to, to live and die by that. Yeah. I've been, I've been a little bit impressed by some pick and roll improvements that he's sure. made the last month, like especially against Mexico city. I think two weeks ago now, like he was playing against drop coverage almost exclusively and was a lot more patient, willing to get right. guys on his hip, and sprung off two feet in the lane and went up confidently. Or when the corner kick was available, he would make it. Like There are small progressions in his game that are keeping me somewhat hopeful, but they get erased when he goes over against the Long Island Nets right after coming off. Right. Lane. So, so my, my trip kind of happened by accident because I, I was talking to an NBA scout who told me, that they were playing college park because I was going to fly and see him on Long Island. So by the time I landed from Atlanta, I got home, I put on the TV and actually Sam, uh, Bassini texted me and said, good Lord, Jaden Hardy. So that could mean one or two things. He could have 40 or he can have zero and it was zero. He was over 11. So I saw a better actual prospect performance from him, but that like variability too is, uh, that's, it's at a top 10 guy that that's shaky. So I, I've gotten some flack for having him, 
a little bit lower. I have him in like the late teens right now. It didn't do enough to really like push him up, but then didn't completely like push him down and say, hey, this this guy should go 35th. I understand a flyer taking him a little bit late. Uh, I'm not saying the lottery thing is, is done, but sort of do your homework, watch him play, see how the rest of it fills out and uh, you have to fill, fulfill your uh, 10 commandments of draft scouting as as we so eloquently put and i read today there's a good piece by you and sure. there there's some questions in there that guys are gonna have to research no doubt about it and uh appreciate the, the shout out there but yeah uh, it's good man it's good thank you uh, hardy like i just i want to defend him so hard because i know how rare what he does when he's at his best really is right. That yeah. shot making ability, just being an isolation type of score who can get off his shot against anybody. Like if he can reel in more efficiency, he's a, an unbelievable offensive player. And, and I want to keep defending that like 25.8 points per game on 43% from the field, 35 from three over the three games prior to Sunday. Right, 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 and then right, there's yeah. Sunday's done. Yeah. And it's, you're dead in the water. Your book, your book ended by this guy's a, a really good top 10 prospect and this guy should be taken 42nd. It's it's likely somewhere in the middle. Uh, have you been, and, and I, I know you you do your homework, you you watch film all the time, you watch full games. If you just watch the clips, it's it's a no-brainer. He looks right. like we're searching for a top five pick. He, he's fifth. Uh, the, the defense thing is going to creep up too. Like he's got to be better on and off the ball. Takes a lot of plays off. And, and you can do that when you have such a steady defender like Dyson Daniels next to you in the nba that's a hook like you have two possessions like that hey rookie comes in next to me like you're not gonna play right right yeah the defense is is a primary concern um obviously efficiency offensively is is right up there with it but i just i keep wanting to go back to the the tools that he has right like it's i'm just very attracted to guys that are great one-on-one shot makers and scorers oh he's that yeah and and i think that there's enough quality teaching in the nba that goes on for younger guys that they can add pick and roll craft they can add those individual moves to find ways to slow the game down but at the end of the day yes they do have to still make the right decisions and have fairly quick processing speed which if you're playing nba draft twitter bingo take a shot yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll take we'll take a few <laughs> i'm glad i don't have that board with me because every yeah. podcast i have in the back of my head like don't say it don't say for synergy don't say processing don't say pick and roll don't say but you have to because so much of it is and it there's is. times times when when i'm doing my own personal scouting stuff my scouting service where i have to walk away because i'm like writing the same thing about every guy and just like these buzzy words which are right but your brain stops functioning at, at certain points too yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, of these G league guys who are kind of up and down a little bit, I, I think Dyson Daniels has probably been the most steady performer out of yes. this. And, and a guy that I've really liked through this process more so because there's value to me in being the solid steady hand in a draft class that's filled with wild cards. So uh, looking at Daniels and his performance again, nine points, four rebounds, five assists in 29 minutes when they played college park of two from deep, but makes an impact defensively makes a lot of the right reads and plays. What did you see from that game? Stole my line. My, my first line is I just thought he was very steady. I thought he was a solid player. I, I liked his vision. I liked his passing over the top of the defense and he knows how big he is. He knows to embrace his size on offense and on defense defensively. I, I like the switching that he can do on the perimeter and guard up and down the lineup. He, and he's young too. He turns 19 in March. 
he may not be a, a right away contributor, but I'm betting on him getting there in the next two to three years as a, a late lottery type guy. Like the jumper can can get there when they played out in in Vegas for like that NBA showcase. He looked really good. He made a lot of fans within NBA circles. He's a guy, and it's different than Jaden. It's sort of what he didn't necessarily show, but you think you could fix. Like the jumper wasn't completely broken. He let it go, and it's like, yeah, there's a few things, there's a few tweaks, but he's steady enough, he's solid enough where he knows what he is. He, he knows his identity. The, the ball doesn't stick to him. He, he can do that little UCLA cut on, on smaller guards and score. He can make passes on the move, and, and sometimes guys get in trouble jump passing, but he's just like even so much higher over a, a 6'1 point guard. Sharif Cooper's on him, like forget it. Like you're, you're skying over the top of him. Uh, I, I like him. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, I – I'm not like, hey, he's going to sneak up to seventh or eighth. But if you're 12 to 17, that, that's a good range for him as a prospect. That's exactly where I have him right now uh, in that kind of 12, I think 12 to 16, 12 to 15 range. Yeah. Is where I keep toying with him. And he would be the perfect fit on a team that already has their, as I call them, three pillars offensively, right? The, the top options are already in place. And Daniels comes in to be that backcourt glue guy. Yeah. Who, plays kind of the exact role that he was playing now, just surrounded by better scorers. And yeah, and and we keep searching for that next guy, and now it seems like it's the next connector. It's the next glue guy. Like four years ago, not four, maybe two or three years ago, was, who's the next Bam on a bio? And on Yaka Kongwu, we said that was him. He might be a different player, and now post-injury, he's been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so if you're chasing now in that – when you're in that range 12 to 18 or so, maybe you're a team that got knocked out of the first round of playoffs – you have enough guys around you. Like I would like him down the street here playing with the Celtics. They have big scoring wings. They just need a big facilitating guard who really doesn't care if he scores, but he'll make the passes to the right place. He'll burn you when he needs to, and then he'll defend. Like that that's as good a fit as I think that they're out there. I, I think I just sold myself on that too. I hadn't even thought of that yet, but let's get Dyson Daniels and bean down. But Hey, you and I are both Celtics fans. So I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with that one. Like I, I, I keep envisioning him in Minnesota where he's this yeah, really good, that too. Yeah. Yeah, really good kind of ball mover that helps it not stick to Anthony Edwards, creates more for, for Cat and D'Angelo, like just that really steady presence that can play 20 to 28 minutes a night as they continue to climb the echelon in the West. And I, I was talking to a, an agent today about Paul Bancaro and his fit, like the top three were like, well, what do you think about Orlando? I'm like, I kind of fr- crowded front court. What do you think of Houston? Yeah, probably not. What, but like Dyson Daniels, that's a guy that just like put him anywhere. I think that Jabari Smith too, like they'll just fit. They fit basketball wise. Franz Wagner put him anywhere. Like he fits basketball wise. It's not like, Hey, you know what? He needs like a little bit of a better guy here, there. Like he can make it work with the pieces around him, which he's done internationally and is done right now thus far with the G league night. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. I think we're, we're kind of in agreement there. Uh, I don't know where I slot him and Hardy next to each other because Hardy is so volatile. Like right. I'm still, I'm still hanging on to saying this is a guy that should be in the top 10. Well, because- it's, it's how dangerous you want to get. Like how much do you want to invest in crypto stocks? Like Dyson Daniels is, is a mutual fund. That's not going to go too high or too low, but you might get 5% in a year. Hardy might make you 50, might lose you 50. So we're, we're all losing the market right now for, for people who are invested there. So maybe it's not the best analogy, but the, yeah. I think the crypto thing hits a little bit. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good analogy. But uh, another currency that I can't quite wrap my head around here, Marjan Bochamp. I mean, <laughs> what a circuitous path he's taken to get to where yeah. he is right now. And to see him playing well and starting to get a lot of believers is 
is really encouraging, but man, I just, I can't figure out where he best fits in the NBA without a consistent catch and shoot jumper. Um, you know, right now he, he played pretty well in that, that G league uh, game that you saw down there in college park. But I think there's also like one thing missing. And I don't know if I can put my finger on what that is other than shooting. Like there's just something missing with, does he know when to go? Does he know when not to go? Uh, flashes are great, but like you said, there's a difference between the clips and the full game. Oh yeah. Every time I watch the full game of, of one of theirs, I'm like, I, with his tools, there probably should be a little bit more. I, I don't know if you get the same sense or, or what your takeaway was. A little bit. I, I thought there was like a quarter and a half, not that he did nothing, but I was kind of like waiting. I was like leaning forward, like, all right, he's got the ball. Go, 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 go. He's also playing and, and lining up against Jalen Johnson, who we'll talk about in a little bit here. Uh, so it's not like a bad thing that Jalen Johnson outplayed him. Like Jalen Johnson would, would probably be a lottery pick in this draft yeah. just based on if he went G League Ignite and that's what you saw, fine. It, it's just – it's been a really strange arc, especially for me where I see a lot of these guys in the grassroots space, and you're not always going to get it right. But for the most part, you can kind of like project where it's going. So he was like this top 30, top 40 kid in high school, transfers 100 times. Uh, he's going to go train – and not go to high school, not go to college, and then he said junior college, that's usually when like you sort of write a guy off. And if he pops back up on a G League team, which is should be part of uh, draft bingo too, you, you could do G League bingo. When you start looking at the roster, you're like, how is this guy still around? Like, oh, I remember him. He played on this circle or whatever. So it's this weird arc where he sort of become the player I thought he'd be out of high school if you like erased the middle like three years that just happened. And, and now we're here, and is he this third or fourth starter that doesn't hurt you and, and making these little impact plays that help you win, the, the cutting, the rebounding, the second chances, the scoring transition. The mid-range jumper on the move is better. He hit one or two later in the game that I saw. Uh, the three was just okay. It, it does take some time for him to, A, get that off, and he's a little bit of a low jumper too. He's not going to, like, sneak up on you. He tried to dunk on. I think it was Justin Tillman down my end in the second half. Uh, he missed it. It was a foul, so he got the free throw line. But I, I left saying he's fine. He's good, right? He's a little bit older. He'll be 22 as a rookie. I think he turns 22 in October of this year. Then I come home. I turn on the game once I land. He has 24 points, nine rebounds, hitting shots in the move. So, like, where is he? You're never going to judge a guy on one game. I thought I probably had him a little bit too high at 13 or 14. said maybe this guy's more in the 20 range. And then he plays a good game, so it just forces me and you to to go watch more film. But I totally agree that I, I felt like there was just a little bit missing, and I, I couldn't put my finger on it either. Like, really good, pretty well-rounded, just not a, a complete game per se. Yeah, and it feels like every time I watch him, that's kind of the takeaway. Like, he produced, he had all the – like, I, you talked about not knowing that Jaden Hardy at 29. Like, every yeah. time I watch Bochamp, I'm like, ah, did he really have that stat line? Like, right. <laughs> right. Look up on me a little bit. Yeah. Um, which again, stats are, are a little bit misleading in terms of impact overall. But I, I think of him as more of a late first, early second type of guy, partially because of the age. You know, I think this is probably a draft class where the later part of the first round is reserved for a lot of either international guys or flyers on younger guys that these teams just want to develop. Like uh, to me, that's either that or you're an NBA draft or excuse me, an NBA championship team looking yeah. to draft a guy that can come in and just do something right and, away. And, and, and we're just it, probably not that guy. No, but it, it does speak to expectations and it speaks to fit because if, if he goes and 
I don't want to say Golden State, but if he goes and plays for like the Bucks, right, or or, or one of the teams that's going to be in the final, and, and he's just hey, be the eighth guy and come in as this off the bench, like pain in the ass, back cut, score off the offensive boards, hit some open jumpers, get up and down, and just piss people off for for ten fifteen minutes. That'd be great. If he goes twelve, and there's real expectation of we didn't make the playoffs, we need to get over the hump. I don't think he's that guy. Agree. Yeah, totally agree. And, and, and I keep going back and forth, like, is the circuitous path that he's taken an indication of a red flag of a team jumper of a guy who just, you know, kind of nomadic in his, in his path, or is this somebody who has had to mature at an earlier age because he's gone through so many different experiences and can come in and be a little bit more of a steady guy once he gets to the NBA level? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a great point. I, I, I don't know. It, it really depends on guys. And I've long been a kind of a proponent of it's if guys change grassroots teams and guys change high schools and they transfer. And by the time you actually get to draft night and you kind of have like eight different pit stops before then it's a red flag and you have to do your homework on it and say, well, why was that? Was there not structure? Was he not happy? Was there personal things going on involved? So that's, I think just working against him a little bit from all reports, the G League guys love him down there. Say so works hard. He's a he's a fast learner. Uh, he's kind of becoming the this guy that, like I said, that everyone thought he would be. But who is that guy? Like <laughs> I still don't know necessarily who he is. Like who's yeah. your comp? Like yeah, no, I, I couldn't tell you. I yeah, I, I don't. I know you're anti comp too, which is great. That was one of your uh, that was one of your commandments because anytime I'm put on the spot, I'm like I I can't do that. I have no yeah. idea. And who, I think who, it- who's Jalen Green? Zach Levine? Is he? I, I maybe I don't know. Like exactly means pretty damn good. Like, yeah, you're you're either setting yourself up for a play style comparison that's not perfect, or you're comparing somebody to the same output as a, an NBA All Star. And it's like, man, yeah. that's pretty unreal. Just twenty five points per game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's lofty. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking to ignite. We probably got to talk Michael Foster. He had twenty twelve and five in the game that you saw down there. Like, yeah, it's he produces and he does. He does do that. You know, we've, we've got to got to talk about it in some regard, like defensively zero clue what he is, who nope. he guards. Like I got a question on a pod a couple of weeks ago. Is he, is he somebody that can play the five in the NBA? And my retort was he almost has to be, like Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's, that's the only path for him to become viable long-term. And, and the way that the game is trending with these bigger guys who are, you know, seven feet with a seven, four wingspan that can shoot the three and protect the rim and maybe even be switchable. Like, I don't know how he holds up next to the Evan Mobley's or Chet Holmgren's of the world. If that's his matchup at the five, because he's going to struggle to guard them on the perimeter as well. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of Foster. Uh, I'm not either. I, I definitely see the five thing. I don't think he has the foot speed to guard fours and then his size will limit him to defend fives. I don't want to say I don't see it, but I just don't really love his, his overall game. I, I get the scoring. I get the rebounding in the post. He will use his body. He'll throw it around to, to box out. Justin Tillman was awesome. And he, Justin Tillman had a couple of 30 point games before that, but then he also had like 39 or, or something like that. The, the game I saw his instincts offensively is never to pass first. So when you have that and you don't necessarily stretch the four from three as a five, it's, it's hard. And, he's been more well-rounded with the G league ignite than he was in high school than he was on the circuit. Uh, similar to Bar- Beauchamp and Beauchamp. I'm, I'm way higher on. I just don't know his identity. Is he this 
sort of poor man's Kevon Looney. The game is getting smaller. People are seem to playing faster, more possessions getting up and down. He he could earn some time and some minutes there. Uh, Long term, I, I don't know where it goes or where it sticks. So I, I have him outside my quote unquote top sixty. I know some people have him like the forties. I don't think many people have him in the first round. Uh, it's the second round's a crapshoot. I know you've talked about it a million times. I have too. That's more about like negotiations than actual skill. When the yeah. the first round, unless it's a draft and stash, it kind of goes according to what your big board is. Where the second round is like, how do we want to maneuver this for cap flexibility or for a, for a G League team or whatever that may be? Yeah, there are going to be ten trades in the second round on draft. Night. Yeah, like it, right. It always happens. So it's hard to predict in those ways. And I think I have Foster in the early to mid forties right now. Like just a toolsy enough guy to stick around. Now the tier right below him is like six or eight really good three-point shooting specialists that yeah. I'm ready to lo- like loft over him, which would drop him down exactly. to like early 50s. So it's just, yeah, he's productive. I, there's a lot to be intrigued by, but I don't know mm-hmm. if there's a lot to, to like necessarily at this point. Um, yeah. You know, you also got the chance to see two really intriguing draft picks from last year down there with College Park, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. One good game, one not so good game, but uh, – mm. And anything there to report on those two guys? I was so excited there that they were playing. I found out on the the flight down, their uh, media person texted the game notes I'm reading, and it's loading. It's like Jalen Johnson's down on assignment, and Sharif Cooper will be playing his first game since whatever. I'm like, this is this is perfect. Like you, you don't know sometimes. I'd rather have these G League guys play similar age guys than you know Pooh Jetter is my age he's you know 37 amir johnson is my age i'd rather and and like the wiley veterans they'll they'll steal they'll they'll beg but whatever but it's it's harder it's like i'd rather have a a to a matchup so jalen johnson was really good it it was like the grassroots phenom you jalen johnson that i thought could be this difference maker at duke and it just didn't happen he's really good when the game gets up and down he's really good vision uh in transition and he'll, he'll pass it run it get it back had a couple alley-oop dunks he he broke down Marshawn Beauchamp off the bounce the shot looked a little bit better I, I was encouraged I know that it's a log jam in Atlanta too kind of in his position they just shipped off Cam Reddish I don't know how he fits the big picture uh, but I was intrigued and encouraged that he he's taking kind of this step where he left Duke and I, I didn't have the best feeling on him like the way he left and even the the tape I mean put away put aside like that he left midseason I didn't think he put together a lot of complete games that game that I saw was the guy that I I thought would be potentially a a top 10-12 pick in the draft a year ago yeah yeah I think he looks a lot more comfortable being one of the focal points of an offense right whether he has the freedom to go inside or out to mismatch posts to just kind of freelance so NBA projection still like he's playing great but it's still a work in progress for oh, how totally. if he's not going to be one of those main cogs. And, and right now he's, he's quite frankly, he's just not, that's, it's, that's a hard uh, place to get to in the NBA. Yeah, NBA is a tough league. People don't understand that when they say this guy's a pro, this guy's that it's, it's chasing the second contract. It's great. You're, you're drafted. How do you last four years to make a market rotation, get an extension and make a difference and it's, it's not an easy thing to do you, you go up to a team that now has what 15 16 17 guys you have to beat out a veteran or you have to beat out a draft pick from a year ago it's not as seamless as some people on the outside may may think and believe yeah yeah no doubt about that 
no doubt. So, well, you know, this is uh, a word that we've heard you say a lot this podcast, grassroots. Like This is a grassroots podcast. We don't have advertisements or advertising breaks to break us up. So we just kind of shift from one segment to the other with a, a really quick hashtag ban the take foul, because that's, <laughs> that's the big thing for me right now. Is that we're raising awareness to make sure that we get to the point where the, the take foul and the, the Euro foul, as some call it, is out of the game. Because it's the one thing that drives me bonkers as I'm watching. And, and you know, as a high school coach, I'm starting to see it at our level now. It's driving me. Wow. It's, it's trickling all the way down. Huh? That's, all the way uh, down. Yeah. It usually yeah. does. It starts at the top and starts trickling down. Yeah, you know, all the way down, not the Ryan Cabrera version. But uh, <laughs> we'll move to the overtime elite, guys, because while you were down there, you were able to, to see some of the OTE. Yeah. Uh, I, I call it the the Monstars gym, right? I Just like that. The, yeah. the aesthetics that they have there. It's, uh, you know, you compared it to like an MTV production, which I, I did. Very it, it, appropriate. It, it was. It, it, it's, it's a great setup, man. And, and I went in. I don't want to say skeptical, but I definitely had some preconceived notions because people had, had bashed overtime elite a little bit, didn't know the roster, didn't know what it looked like. And it it's legitimate, man. Like the, the court is awesome. It, it looks like a movie set. And then you walk in the back, you go around and it's comparable, if not better to most NBA training facilities. They have two really nice full courts. They got a strength and conditioning place on the corner. They have trainers there all the time. It, it's not, it's, it's not what I think people think overtime elite would be it's not just this content capture type thing there's definitely parts of it like that but there's still real coaching the kids played really hard the product in person is not as bad as trying to evaluate on youtube like i i did it i tried to for a few games it was really difficult like i, I tried to do it on mute uh, i tried to listen a little bit some of the games devolved into the dunk shows which can it, it was better in person because i was able to actually see the real players across three classes yeah. and real, real draft guys, like real guys that, that have a chance. It's not smoke. Like, Hey, this guy could be a top 30 pick. Like, especially the 2023 and 2024 guys really have a shot. That's good to hear. Uh, because I am like you really struggling to watch those games or at least yeah. evaluate a lot of it because right you know, until you had tweeted out some of the analytics stuff and the stats that you were, you were finding, finding when you got there, it's been hard for me to find anything oh, consistent. And trust, and, like, and, I don't, impossible. I, I didn't. I didn't know what to do either. So when I got there, uh, a couple of people involved in, in their their program, I'd known for a long time, and I, I saw one of them on the road at what was it? Who Paul? No, yeah, it was Who Paul West. So I saw him out in Arizona. I said, "Hey, can I get my hands on the stats?" He said, "Yeah, yeah just just let me know." I'm like, "Well, they're not on your website, and, and people are trying to evaluate. Like, I'm trying to get you guys some publicity." So I, I get to the game, and I get the media notes, which is like. 15 pages and pages like four five six seven are stats i'm like these are gold like i'm gonna post these and this is gonna be a thing but i want to do it the right way so i went to their media person media relations person said hey i just want to make sure this is cool this is not on your website are you okay if i post this and they're like yeah no problem like what, what would be the hang-up like, well it's not on your website like everyone and their mother are, are asking for these things i'm like i'm gonna do it like you're sure and, and I did. Then sure enough, all our uh, analytics friends and, and draft geeks like us, I'm not, we're, we're in there too, we're included, got excited because like, all right, here's some real numbers. Here's some true shooting. Here's John Montero from three. Here's Amen Thompson from free throw line. So it gives a little bit more context as opposed to you and I watching one game and scribbling down some notes and then trying to like take that to the next one. 
And also trying to guess what the level of competition is, right? How competent yeah. is the team that they're playing against? What type of athleticism prospect organization do they have? Like there's, there's so many things that you have to figure out for one individual matchup that it, it's exhausting to try to just get a read on, especially in this class. Like I think there's probably only two names that are, are within draftable range right now. And we'll, we'll talk on them in a minute. Hopefully there's more that you came away with, but um, <laughs> like it, it almost feels exhausting. Like how much effort and attention to the, the other parts of this do I have to give in order to just get a, an eval for one game on Montero for one right. game. Tomorrow. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. And I think they have adjusted and they have three teams. I think the initial goal was they want to have like six teams of 10 kids. That's hard. I mean, even if you had an unlimited salary cap, I mean, the G League Ignite gets three or four. I think they target like four guys per year. Times that by 10, 12, like that was overtime's goal. It's hard to get. There's not that many elite kids that are going to turn down the traditional college route and, and go there. And you need a little bit proof of concept. And I, I think part of, the trip that I went on. So Friday night, I saw G League Ignite. Saturday, I saw Auburn, Kentucky. Saturday night, I saw Overtime Elite. As I'm a big time college basketball fan, when I was at Auburn Arena and that place was rocking, I was like, I probably would be playing there. I just cards on the table, right? I saw the merits of each of them, but Overtime Elite, you're you're fighting against the guys that are on that court. You're you're also fighting against the Bruce Pearls, the John Calipari's recruiting all those guys. And the other end, you're fighting the NBA. You're fighting, here's a, an actual concept we did last year. Jalen Green and Kaminga look good to great. It's worked. You can take a question mark in Midtown Atlanta with 60 other guys. It's, it's a hard thing to, to nail down, especially in your first season. And, and especially if you got to wait for Matt Penny to come to town to tweet out some stats. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I at least brought it to the forefront. <laughs> we some stats are out there. Yeah. We appreciate you for that. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen much on these guys. So individually, I know it's it's one game, but it gets you a much better feel being there in person and, and yeah. being able to look at these guys. What's the, the take on Montero? Because there's a lot of people out there who want to like him because this is a weaker point guard draft class. And it seems like everybody else that's mentioned along that same tier as him has played fairly poorly to start yeah. this season. So he's the last guy remaining that hasn't hurt himself. And, and like from what yeah. I've seen from him before he got to OTE, I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't either. Yeah. yeah, I'm just curious what what you've seen from him. Like, has he gotten better or is he belonging in that first round tier? Uh, he's, he, it's different. I think some of his stuff has gotten better, not the, the whole overall game. He's definitely the most well-known prospect there, but I didn't think he was the best at, at his size. And they list him at six foot two. He's probably sub six foot two. He does have a slight frame, slight build. He's going to have to really shoot it or be blindingly fast. And I, I don't really see either. I mean, he's the, the stats that I posted is 29% from three on the year. He, he does pull and he'll pull deep and, and try to pull quickly. But if they don't fall, it doesn't really matter. You're not spacing the floor. If people aren't closing out, if you're shooting 29%, I don't think you're keeping the defense that honest. He did make some really good passing reads and placement of passes out of pick and roll that got better as the game went on. The first few touches he had were just bad jumpers. And I'm like, I, I hope this gets better from here. He put the team on his back to force overtime at, at overtime, but not a guy that I left saying like, that's a lottery pick. He, he felt like late first round, even early second. So for people to have him 13, 14, 
that's more reliant on, I would guess, his FIBA tape and his stuff pre-overtime. Or And I don't want to say like I caught a bad game because we do have the benefit of having some stats now where he hasn't shot it really great. And I, I, I truly believe that he's going to have to, despite the point guard tier. And yes, someone who's going to have to be picked, whether it's Ty Ty Washington or Blake Wesley, if he makes this surge, or Kennedy Chandler or Iverson Molinar, one of those guys is going to have to and will be drafted because NBA teams do look for dynamic point guards. I don't think that John Montero would be my pick. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. He's he's been more of a middle second, maybe early second type of guy to me. Yeah, I, I find some appeal in his passing, but undersized guards who don't shoot it well just they've never sat great with me. So no, uh, me neither. Yeah, interesting to see that that's kind of being reinforced again now that we have stats on. Yeah, <laughs> actually, the one guy who really has intrigued me a little bit more is Don Barlow. Yes, uh, really liked just what I've known and saw of him being in the Mid-Atlantic area the last couple of years and, and knowing of him coming up as a, as a high school guy, maybe an ambitious jump getting here was my first reaction. I don't know if, if that is shared, but he's got some athleticism to him. It's not, you know, jump out of the gym athleticism, mm-hmm. but he's, he's sneaky athletic, which is probably one of those cliche terms. We, we want to, one, one of those bingo boards. Yeah. Take a shot. Yeah. But, uh, I like Barlow and, and I I'm really curious to see if again, him beating up on this level of competition or playing well against it is enough to get somebody to buy into drafting him thinking that he'll project into that as he continues to, to grow into his body. Maybe a little bit. And if teams looked at the jump and had watched him kind of on the circuit and, and watched him in high school, I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised when overtime elite signed him, uh, I, I know people are kind of around him too, that they were surprised. Like this guy's going to go down there and play pro. But I was also surprised when I actually saw him on the court and, and playing. And I had to like double check my notes to make sure it was actually Don Barlow. He has that frame of like a stretch four and he can switch. And I thought he moves really well. You can throw it to him for the high post and he can run like dribble handoffs. He's an asset out of those high ball screens to roll. He can pop out, could be used as like a short roll a little bit too. The shot was clean enough. The percentages aren't great, but I, I wasn't like, hey, this guy can't shoot. Like, don't shoot it. Like, I wanted him to do that a little bit. Probably a, a late second undrafted free agent project that could make a roster. Um, I, I said this this week. He's supposed to be a prep school. He's supposed to be a Bridgeton Academy right now. It's going to take time. It's going to take reps. And it's going to take patience. And he'll probably be in the G League. I hope to go to College Park next year and watch him playing against somebody else and if you are willing to get him on a two-way or, or something like that, hopefully he makes the roster in, in two or three years, it, it could pan out. Not not an immediate impact guy either. Yeah. Shout out Coach Witt at Bridgeton Academy. Yeah, that's oh, the uh, best. Witt Legere, uh, godfather of uh, New best. England basketball. No no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, any other guys on the, the OTE circuit that you saw down there that impressed you? I know longer term than, than just 2022, but any, anybody else on your radar? Yeah, there's a couple. So they have three teams. So I only saw there's two sets of twins, ironically, the the Bewley twins from Florida and actually the Thompson twins are, are technically they're in Florida they're in California, whatever. But I saw Amen Thompson, not Asor Thompson. Very good, tight handle, wiry, electric, up and down, crazy, crazy, crazy off the bounce when he starts flying. Jumper has to get better, but he's a guy that I think has already been mocked in 2023 as a lottery pick. I, I get that. Uh, Buleys aren't eligible until 2024, have a little bit of time. Jason Gortman, uh, I, I really like him. Dynamic guard, good live dribble passer, 
also has to shoot, but he, he's able to break down his man and create. Defense has to collapse, and he does have good vision on the move. And then the guy that stood out was uh, also over 2024 is Tyler Smith, shooter out of Texas. Good range, moved well for his size, came off screens, feet set, just a, a, an elite, I don't say elite, but a very high-level touch for someone his age, so that really stood out to me too. What do you what do you think of the level of competition from what you saw? Like, is this more comparable to a high end high school game? Is like, where's the where's the feel on that? Huh, that's a good one. So, as a coach, you can probably test this too. I think, generally speaking, I don't want to create any enemies here. High school and prep school basketball has been like a little bit more down to the last like couple of years, I would say, across the board. So, I, I think it's maybe. Now it's it's different if you're having like the the best of the best playing. I, I get that top ten teams in the country. I, I'd say like that plus because these guys are all like a little bit older. It would be more like if you took guys who played seventeen U on the circuit and like came back the next year. So it's like, are they good enough to be in college? Probably, but they're so much more physically mature that I think they would beat like good high school teams. They did fill in with some guys who. Uh, just with all due respect, I don't think are professionals and shouldn't necessarily be there, but they needed some bodies. And those guys have gotten better, but it's not the same as, yeah, you're playing the G League Ignite and, and lining up against Marcus George's Hunt or, or something like that. And, and those guys have, have been through the rigors of the ACC. Like that's a, a better level, but it was higher than I thought it would be. It wasn't just like roll the ball out, pull a few guys from the stands. Like there, there's actually real basketball being played. Good, good. No, that's... Um... That's good to hear because I think that if this is going to be a viable option moving forward and it's all about preparation for professional and NBA levels, the, the competition that they're able to find is really important. And, and look, the, the G League Ignite, they've got it built in. They're, they're part of the G League. The NBA is shepherding this program. So you know the quality control of the product that's going to be on the floor. College basketball has been around for so long and, and just the, the quality of coaching that goes on there, you know the, the quality of the basketball that you're going to see on the floor. I don't know if a lot of these alternative options that might be popping up are that viable yeah, if totally. you can't guarantee exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah, it, it's going to take a few years. I don't think if Jean Montero doesn't win the first round, I don't think they view it as a, a failure. It's over. They bulldoze the facility. It, it probably has to go through a couple of draft cycles. They have real money and real investors behind it. I don't think they're going to abandon ship yet have to change a couple things a couple things are, have gone right they're gonna have some good bounces in the 2023 class I, I am curious who that next wave of guys is who they, they bring in next year because if you look at un uncommitted top 50 guys there's one anthony black and i i think he'll go to college or, or somewhere else i don't think he'll go to overtime so how are they able to fill is, is it more of an international play which they've done better with could be but we'll have to see yeah it'll be Certainly interesting to, uh, to see there, but, uh, all right, Penny. So before we get you out of here, a, a couple one and done guys that, that I'd love to Let's pick your it. brain on because yeah. it, it's, it's that wild part of the year where guys who started really slow are heating up or guys mm -hmm. who started pretty hot are slowing down. And this has been a frustrating draft class for the, the <laughs> freshmen in a lot of ways. Yes. Because there has been no consistency whatsoever. So on the, should I stay or should I go kind of uh, circuit that everybody's working on four guys real quickly who are starting to get either a little bit better or a little bit worse. And, and I'm just, where are you at on whether they're going to declare, whether they go back or what you've seen from them recently? 
Uh, Peyton Watson, UCLA. I, I wish we recorded this a week ago because I'd say definitively go back to school. And, and then I was doing some work and on the phone, making my rounds of, of calls for the day. And Arizona UCLA played at 11 o'clock at night. So I, I didn't watch it live. I, I go to bed here on the East Coast. And so the next day I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, that's a good play by Peyton Watson. Moving his feet well. They're like, oh, that's a steal by Peyton Watson. That's a decent one dribble pull up by Peyton Watson. Did he? And I'm like, ah, this guy might be doing it. Like he might be doing the dance now where he's put some more of it together on, on both ends. And even like he missed a mid-range jumper, but I was like, that looked pretty clean. Like that was good. And he pick and pop for a three. That's going to be a really intriguing one in the late 20s. Or if someone puts it together and says, Maybe he's like a 16, 17 guy. I think he should go back. I, I do. I, I think as, as him being an alpha next year, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez. Those guys still have eligibility. I think their draft stock kind of is what it is at this point. So if he's the guy, I, I think it could help his brand if he's sort of in that Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, Ben Matherin, like go back and, and be the guy and, and help yourself. He'd be hard to pass on the twenties. If I was a GM, I'll say that. Now I'll, I'll ask you this just because I know you, you know, these guys a little bit, but do you think Watson fits in well at UCLA? If he goes back with Adam Bona and Amari Bailey, like how does that? Oh, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I, I love Bona. I mean, I've, I've seen him at, at, at Pangos and at Hoop Paul because he just, they, they run. I think those pieces run. It'll be a very different looking team where right now UCLA can grind it out of you with, with Jaime Hawkins, just like so tough and, and so physical. And, and Juzan can do that with the spins and this and that, where I do think UCLA will play a little bit faster because Amari Bailey wants to get up and down too. And, and Peyton Watson can be that grab and go guy off the rim, or he can hit sideline and fill this lane. He can go to the dunker spot, whatever. He, he's very multi-tooled, multi-positional, multi-dimensional guy where uh, he it would be hard for me to not have him starting the top 10 next season. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I may be a little bit more skeptical just in terms of like overall touches offensively. And, yep. and you know, the big question mark is going to be the offensive impact, right? Because he's, sure. he's shown that he has a lot of defensive flashes, but are the touches is the investment going to be there where he's producing at a much higher volume next year? Like I, maybe a little bit more, but I'm not so I'm not 100% sold that it's gonna be it was uh I, I posted just like four clips from a game the other day and UCLA fans were in my mention saying like he's gone forget about it, it's over it's like no like relax he, he's had a good game now if he did this game in the tournament and then had another good game we, we've seen that happen guys piece it together we're still kind of in the, the heart of the season it's still January over here so he, he went a month a month and a half without a field goal we can go back that direction we, we don't we're, we're at the crossroads right i don't know if he's going right or left if he goes right and starts putting these games together you said it the the late 20s it's it's a weird place in this yeah. draft and, and he's a, a high high upside guy that could find his way there yeah he, he certainly is and uh and speaking of those late 20s or those freshmen that are right on the fringes of that max christie for michigan state like you know since december 21st Averaging 12 points and five boards a game, shooting 50% from the field and 48 from three. Like as a shooting prospect, he's starting to turn it on and figure it out. It's not massive volume. Is he inching his way into that same tier? Probably a, a, a little bit. I, I thought he turned the corner right at the beginning of conference play when he strung together those four double-digit games and while shooting a clean ball, taking good shots, rebounding. 
I think like two of his last three or two of his last four has been one for eight from the field. So it, yeah. it's just like a roller coaster. Uh, I've long been a fan of Max since his days in Illinois Wolves. Needs to get stronger, needs to be more consistent. Uh, Tom Izzo is really, really high on him in the preseason, saying he's going to be our guy. He's going to focal point of what we do. He's starting to to live up to that, but he just has to keep knocking down shots, limiting turnovers. He would benefit more, I would say, going back and playing the Big Ten than he would being at the end of an NBA bench and getting developed. Different strokes, different folks, who knows? But I, I, I would say for Max to go back. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting there. Yeah. Illinois Wolves, great program. Unbelievable. Mike Mullins. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Houston, speaking of Big Ten guys who are shooting it better. Like he's <laughs> good timing 16, on him, too. 11 <laughs> yeah. 16 from three over the last three games. Like nuts. I, and and I I liked Houston a lot coming into this, this season. The shooting's got to be there, right? Like it's absolutely it's yeah. all about that number, right? It is. And I, I credit Michigan. I was, I was talking to, I actually talked to people. I'm not just making it up. Like I talked to a scout. <laughs> I, I credit Michigan for the, the sets they run for him because it's, it's more of those weak side, go screens, pass a move, cut away from the ball. They've gone away from him cutting off those floppy actions or double screens because the speed of his mechanics coming off those screens with the trailing defender aren't nearly as clean as when he can just catch and shoot or he just hits a wing, kind of relocates opposite hoping someone double teams kicks out, j- just catch and shoot. It, it's faster. It, it's coming off. It, it's still a long ways to go. There's a lot of NBA guys that soured on him after the first month. Just watch the last three games. Looks like a shooter with size. Yeah. Uh, the feet aren't great. So he, the shots an, an absolute must to be a weapon. Uh, he's getting there. I, 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 I'd say go back, but there's stranger things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan. I mean, Juwan Howard is one of the best at running actions or tailoring his playbook to put his guys in positions to succeed. And, and that little, like you talked about the ghost screening stuff, which has been great. They run this handoff play where they put Hunter Dickinson on the left wing and they mm-hmm. like have Houston fake a back screen and come up for a handoff. He's almost always open from three. It's like with the heat run for Duncan Robinson Yeah, and it, it, and it works. And he's, He's somewhat competent as a movement shooter, but just seeing the the volume of makes right now has got me back in on him. Like I was lower lottery of that, you know, three and D guy who's going to be a, a really good floor spacer. And he's starting to creep back up into that, that position for me right now. Well, he is. I, I was at a, a college game last night, so I wasn't watching and somebody texted me like Houston's doing it again. I'm like, what? He's a guy who's got three threes, three for five. I said, maybe this is the turn. Maybe this is the corner that he's, he's been Waiting to go all year. The directional signal's on. Just got to start going. Start moving the wheel a little. I killed my Hoosiers the other day. I'm kind of an adopted Indiana <laughs> Hoosiers fan, a player Damn, I used to coach. Indiana, New Hampshire, all over the place. Well, I, I lived there for a couple of years. A player I used to coach is, is a sophomore on the team. So, um, you know, finding ways to be invested there. And and, and he, Houston killed him. But uh, yeah. one guy could trend in maybe the opposite direction, J.D. Davison. I mean, yep. super, super athletic and a lot of – just I call him like a raw ball of energy. Like, like if you that. let him go, he's he's going to be able to explode in some categories, and and others it's going to explode and kill you. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's the old like he'll warm up the house or burn it down. You just got to get like the right level of, of fire there. Yeah, and he he leads the country in turnover rate in the pick and roll. Leads leads the entire. Wow, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. and I'm it's steal that one from you. It it's a concern for me because I look at the situation in Alabama and say. You know, he's not getting all the on-ball reps that he needs because they have Quinterly, they have Ellis, they run such a, a well-balanced offense. And he's okay catch and shoot. Like, mechanics aren't great, but he's knocking him down at a solid clip. 
But if you're buying Davis and you're probably in the half court buying him to be a pick and roll handler, right? And, uh, you and have how, to, yeah. And, and how can you look at that high of a turnover rate and just the mixed bag that he has and feel really comfortable spending a first round pick on him right now, knowing there are other mechanical areas of this game to fix? He's so athletically gifted in the open court, and when he has that space, he has that runway, as I like to say. He'll have two to three passes, reads, or attacks a game where it takes your breath away for good reasons, and then like two to three where it's like bad reasons. Like your breath is going to be lost. You hope it's for positive. As an evaluator and you're watching, I like you said, I want to be able to trust him when he has the ball in his hands. Right now, you don't know what you're going to get, and that's scary for a college coach and horrifying for an NBA coach. So you have that. The jumper needs work. It, you're just going to waste your speed if you're giving all these open looks and you're not hitting 20-ish percent from distance. I, I hope he goes back. I know the athleticism's there. I know the NBA can be an open court game. There's just too much for him to work on and improve right now when the court gets shrunk that uh, he would, he'd struggle right now on an NBA court in an NBA game. Can he get there? Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, not, I'm not writing him off either. Comes to a really small town. Hasn't always played the highest level of basketball. So some of this is still new. You know, it's January. He's played a couple months of it now, but it, it just might take him longer in that whole process. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, two games with seven or more turnovers in under 25 minutes. Like it's yeah, not, yeah. Those, those aren't, I'm not a huge analytics guy, but the, those metrics aren't great there, coach. Yeah, no, they're they're not fantastic. And, and look, he's, he's, he's fun to watch when he plays his style of basketball. <laughs> Got a ton of potential to him. But it is a roller coaster. It is. It's an adventure of a of watch. It is. Well, Penny, thank you so much for for joining us here. Uh, you know, let the people know where can they find what you got going on, what's in the pipeline in Matt Penny's world, and how much shoveling are you going to do over the next two days? Wow, that's a very loaded question. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Give me a follow. Also on the Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vicini on the Athletic. You can subscribe to that YouTube channel, same name, Game Theory Podcast, with Sam Vecini. Uh, I'm trying to thank my my next event here. I'll be at the National Prep Showcase Invitational next weekend in Rhode Island, yep. and I'll be shoveling a significant amount of snow starting Saturday morning. And it's not starting till late Friday, so I'll go to bed confident there won't be much snow. Then you wake up, you look outside and say, I, I have a few hours ahead of me here. No, I miss those New England nor'easters, man. There's, no, you there's don't. Nothing. <laughs> no, you don't. You a do one. Bit. You do like one a year. Then after that, it's like ah, again, again. This is no. It was. Great. It was always a great excuse to just watch the Tim Welsh Providence Friars on ESPN Plus on a Saturday at noon. Like wow, yeah, it, it would be. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, you can't really see here. I have a million kids' toys behind me. I'm gonna get yelled at to to watch something else on YouTube. I'll just have to sneak away for uh, I think six o'clock it's Kansas Kentucky that that's the must watch everything else we can tape and, and watch a little bit later yeah, that's right big 12 SEC challenge this weekend yeah. be a lot of, a lot of really good basketball to watch but Penny thank you so much for joining us here it was an absolute pleasure to to sit down with you here and uh and really appreciate you gracing us with some takes on the, the Ignite and OTE yeah man this is great love your stuff and, and happy to do it happy to be here appreciate you